Welcome to the Smoke and Rope Podcast, the show that brings together Michigan's top cannabis growers, advocates, and business owners to offer a fresh and honest perspective of Michigan's cannabis industry. Stick with us to get the lowdown from the people who have been on the ground floor of cannabis business in Michigan and gain insights into where the industry may be heading. Welcome to the Smoke and Roll Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Basor, and today's episode 120. Um, 120 on Green Wednesday. I know it's a big, big marijuana day and week, and it's a big day tomorrow with Michigan State basketball and Lions football and all types of stuff, and then the MSU, uh, I mean, in the U of M Ohio State game. So what a what a great time. Uh, we got a little holiday, holiday uh, spirit and vibe going on over here at the office, and Excited to have on uh, Anton Harb Jr., veteran cannabis uh, Michigan podcaster, among among a lot of other things. So, Anton, thanks for coming on. I appreciate you having me. Uh, <laughs> always a pleasure. I love coming on this show. How are y'all doing? Doing, doing good. Doing good. Start off, Nate. Um, Nate, what's going on? Not too much. It's uh, you know we're moving right into the holiday season. Uh, the the green rivers uh, cannabis are flowing, and everybody seems to be having a you know a good time. At least at Redemption headquarters on some things. So happy to be here. Got a few extra surprises um, before the end of the year for everybody, and just excited to be doing what we're doing. Excellent, excellent, Kevin. What's going on, guys, man? I um, appreciate Anton coming on the show, man. Uh, I haven't I haven't got a chance to hang out with him enough, but the times that we've hung out, we've uh, hung out uh, a few times recently, and uh, mm-hmm. it's always a great time. Anton's a great dude and uh, and very selfless in his acts and trying to help the community. So, uh, yeah, very appreciative of him and uh, glad to have him on the show. It should be fun. Awesome, awesome. T- Tom, up in KL, Casca. Yeah, what's going on? I'm getting the uh, the sweatpants ready for Turkey Day. And it looks nice. like somebody put Anton in the corner, or did Anton put Anton in the corner? <laughs> I'm in the corner. No, I am in the corner trying to. Yeah, I'm actually at my girlfriend's house today, so I don't have my normal podcast set up. So, yeah, it's okay. I'll hang out in the corner by myself for a little bit and chat with y'all. <laughs> cool, cool. Uh, well, Anton, like I said, thanks for coming on. You know, if you if, if uh, people listen to the show and, and don't know who you are, um, um, probably just few and far between. You've been, you know, really. Uh, doing a lot um, in the cannabis activism space, um, something that's sorely, sorely needed still. Um, you know, we, we felt like there was a drop off after we passed in 18 and, you know, got Dana in there and some other, you know, cannabis friendly politicians after dealing with Bill Schuette, uh, you know, terrorizing us for eight years, you know, there's a little bit of break, you know, that's one thing I'm proud of, of the found of, you know, stuff we're doing and then watching Watching what you're doing, um, just strictly from a, an, an activist standpoint and a love of it. Um, for people don't, that don't know, uh, Anton's a, a combat vet and he served in a lot of other uh, sections for the government. Uh, if you want to, you know, when you get a little background on yourself here shortly, love to hear about that. It's fascinating to me. 
um, you know, the, the host of Fob 1620 uh, podcast, um, you know, great veterans podcast uh, with Jevin um, and also Neil um, from Lake Effect and Bloom City Sturgis. And then, of course, Jazz Cabbage Cafe, uh, bringing a little seriousness to, the, to Rick and Jamie and uh, Mr. Hashbrash over there and Jim. Um, but just, uh, you know, you're on, he's also on the, the, the advisory panel for, you know, the, the consumer for advisory panel for the state of Michigan. Um, done a lot of different works, a lot of different things. So with that, Anton, thank you for being on. And please uh, give, your, give, give yourself a background, you know, take four or five minutes. And I'd love to hear sure. your background. I'm sure so do listeners. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of have a unique, uh, a unique background, if you will, especially in the the cannabis activism world. I guess you'd say, um, you know, I grew up in Buffalo, New York. Uh, I started off as a firefighter at the age of 16, joined a volunteer fire department while I was in high school. Um, and, you know, my grandfather was a fireman. He was a Marine back in World War II. So I kind of followed in his footsteps. It was something that um, was important to me. Uh, public service, serving the community, feeling, you know, a sense of purpose, um, giving kind of back to the community has always just kind of been something that's been ingrained in who I am. Uh, went to college in buffalo and went through rotc was commissioned in the army in 2004 as a field artillery officer and lucky me the second i graduated my officer basic course they handed me deployment orders to lovely iraq uh so i literally graduated uh i graduated article and like three weeks later i was in iraq and on my 23rd birthday no less so i kind of learned a lot about life in a very short amount of time um you know all of my military time was essentially done in combat i was uh, i actually got sick over in iraq i was medevaced out of iraq uh, was medically discharged in 2007 uh and and that was kind of a dark time for me i think a lot of the, the mental health crisis that was to come among the veteran population really wasn't we didn't know about it yet uh you know it was still the combat stress syndrome it wasn't really um uh ptsd yet and that uh you know i struggled a lot mentally i was struggling physically uh, but uh being as i graduated with a criminal justice degree and i get out of the military you know what do we normally do of course you know the law enforcement route and uh so i initially actually when i was in station in seattle um, i did a little bit of time as a probation and parole officer and i got to work uh with a lot of uh, level two and level three sex offenders was kind of my specialty and that was another eye-opening experience um, dealing with those folks and uh, from there I actually I went to Homeland Security I was a border patrol agent for about two years uh, blew my knee and here's an interesting story I don't share too often um, I, I, I hurt my knee carrying a 50 pound bundle of marijuana down a mountain and that is what got me out of the border patrol uh, we had actually, it was interesting story. Um, we we had a, a group of people who were trying to, it was 50 pound bundles, about 500 pounds of, of, of marijuana at the time. And uh, uh, I actually, the, the bundle, ironically, I guess, maybe, uh, I slipped and the bundle fell on top of my knee, right? So uh, that is what sent me off from Border Patrol. I did a little bit of a stint with the uh, Department of Treasury and then eventually landed with the ATF here in Detroit. Uh, and it was at that time, uh, I had all these injuries throughout my career. Um, you know, I was doing some pretty, pretty crazy stuff, um, you know, national security type things. And, 
you know, I, I was suffering and uh, I'm one of the few guys I think you'll talk to that have ever come from that space. But uh, I turned to medical cannabis, right? I got my medical cannabis card as a federal agent, which is, as you can imagine, is not very popular uh, among once they, you know, if they find that out. But uh, it helped me. I was able to eat. I got pain relief. I was able to get some sleep. Um, and but you know what? Uh, you can't have a security clearance and 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 have have cannabis. And eventually, um, you know, uh, in 2016, uh, I am a suicide survivor. Um, after my suicide attempt, that was the end of my career uh, as as an ATF agent. And really, for me, it was. Uh, I lost my sense of purpose, right? I'd been so used to kind of serving my country and, and now I was a nobody. And, um, but medical cannabis had done so much for me to progress as a human being, as a father, um, you know, as a lot of different things. And uh, that's what kind of jumped me off into activism. I started off, I was a caregiver for a while um and then kind of i was introduced ryan you know uh, the whole crew uh throughout the whole community and i, I just kind of figured that i have a unique one having the government service background that i have and having the perspective um you know i'll say this i never agreed with the drug war i never agreed with the policies um you know i think that a lot of what i was doing was was not necessarily narcotics related but um you know i was trying to deal for me was we still need people who are willing to protect our community right there's violent people out there who are doing violent things and we need folks who are willing and able to you know to investigate those things and bring those folks to justice so uh, I, 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 I felt this kind of dichotomy, if you will, um, having a past being, you know, the boogeyman being a law enforcement officer. But really, I hope my perspective and the perspective I share with the community is that, you know, I was just a human being, too, and I was suffering. And the answer for me was cannabis. And, and, and I would give the career up 10 times over to to have the relief that I had from cannabis. So it's kind of progressed. Um, you know, I do the podcast now. I've been retired since 2016. So being retired allows me to kind of give back to the community. So that's kind of my history in a nutshell. No, that's fantastic, Anton. I really appreciate the perspective on that. And I, I certainly learn a lot of things from you every t every single time, um, you know, we do 5-16-20 and, and work with that. And, you know, I, I do think you really bring a very unique perspective it certainly raises some eyebrows at first when they read your resume and it's like how'd this guy end up being you know that veteran weed guy in michigan and it's yep. I'm, st I'm still gonna get you that hat i've made you that promise so um you know it's a good time but you know kind of progressing into um a bit of a, a passion project for for us over at fob sixteen twenty with the warriors cup um talk to us a little bit about that you know what in your eyes what inspired that what were some of the thoughts and what do you think it does differently compared to a lot of other competitions out there yeah, so for me, coming into this with my background, I didn't, uh, you know, I didn't really know anything about cannabis, right? Like we have all this, 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 this veteran community, these, these people who have all these different ailments, um, but there was really no education. There was no real trustworthy information to bring to the community that, tr that folks trusted, right? And so what I've been trying to do and i think you know with the help of redemption and, and nate obviously with our fob 1620 podcast has been to educate not only educate veterans but to educate the community educate the cannabis industry because i, I want to serve as a bridge right i want to be the bridge i have all these different hats that i've worn 
so I can see all these multiple different perspectives. And uh, when we when we when we looked at what's the best way to disseminate information, especially among veterans, you know, we get a lot of questions about product, flour, you know, concentrates. What it what is the way the best way to medicate? And we live in a world now with legalization uh, flourishing around the country that, uh, you know, there's a lot of nonsense, a lot of bullshit going on. Uh, we, we talk about uh, we see inflated THC percentages as a, as, a, as a way to capture market share. And it's not right. And, and I, I don't think that's proper. And I don't think, you know, we want to tell people that, you know, there's a lot more to the cannabis plant than THC percentages. And when you look at a lot of the previous cannabis competitions, uh, I think people rely on that information. When you see that the, the, the whatever strain is a cup winner, people will buy that, right? They trust that feedback. And what we were trying to do with the Warriors Cup, I believe that's uh, December 16th, we're streaming from six to seven, um, was we wanted to take a perspective of who are the best in our opinion, who are the best brands? Who are the folks who are not only creating quality product, but giving back to the community? Who are just, just good people, people you want to hang out with? And let's take those products, some of the best small batch craft product that we can find, and let's put that up against the ailments that veterans are facing, PTSD, chronic pain, sleep issues, right? Those are things that are, are are being faced by veterans every single day of the week and not just veterans, they're humans, right? This applies to everybody. And let's take that those products and do a blind test, like just right out the gate. We're not looking at THC percentages. Tell me about terpenes, right? Because we know science tells us that terpenes with in relation to you know cannabinoid profiles that is where the medicine comes from and we reached out to we have 12 brands on board who were willing to submit entries uh, of their products so we were really intentional we have uh, four categories um, but they each brand can only submit two strains to each you know to, to each category and the reason we did that was intentional uh, we wanted to test the brands. So, for example, if I reach out to brand A and and say, say, hey, we want to enter our product in the sleep category and the chronic pain category, well, does that brand know what they're entering? Right? We're going to take combat veterans who have been through the mill, and we're going to we're going to test those products out, and we're going to see if not only does the product live up to its expectations, but does the brand have the awareness to uh, put forth a product that says that, to do what it's saying that they're going to do. And I think when we came at it, you know, we we have Darren McCarty, who's one of our our, our celebrity guest judge, who I, I trust not only, you know, I trust his perspective. Everybody on our panel, uh, we have Kyle Cohey from Lighten Up. Um, and the reason I wanted to bring him on board was because uh, as a veteran, just way back before I was ever anybody or, you know, when I was just, just getting into the game, so to speak, I would go to Kyle and Kyle's recommendations always helped me. So as a veteran, I trust his perspective. So, and I trust giving that perspective to, to my veteran community. So, uh, it should be a great event. It's kind of unique. I think I, I haven't really seen anything done this way. And I feel like, um, you know, the winners, you were automatically a winner just by being asked to enter, right? We, we, we wanted to show that respect 
respect to these brands that we trust you. And so whether you, you win a prize, I guess, or say everybody's already won, not only the brands, but the, the community. You know, I think that's a lot of great perspective, Anton. And like you said, one aspect that um, we considered when inviting people to this was their community involvement as well, because we think that's a huge portion of it. So when we say blind, we mean it is going to be an unmarked mylar. We'll know uh, a, a number that's not going to mean anything, just a number listing in the category it was submitted for. And I think how we're doing it is afterwards, like people aren't going to have the COAs beforehand because we want this to be old school, open it up, smell it, touch it, taste it. How does it work? Take all the bullshit out of it and just give us really um, old school kind of backyard recommendations. How many people remember purchasing, you know, cannabis before legalization and stuff. So very excited to have that. Got a great all-star lineup of judges on there. And um, I think it's going to be a really good feel good event for the end of the year and stuff. And it'll be a really nice, succinct thing. And as you mentioned, um, this isn't necessarily gonna be like a cutthroat competition. It's gonna be highlighting some of the best small and medium sized brands in Michigan and what they're doing. So a really feel good, positive event. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's awesome guys. And uh, you know, I remember when, I, uh, when Nate and uh, Anton started talking about it early on, um, you know, and now it's turned into this, which is really cool because the big the big gripe is, you know, you got high times and, you know, like especially now, how much are you going to pay for advertising? Does it, you know, so like when people, to be, to be blunt, I mean, when people win high times now, it's like, the, is it real or not? Who knows? You know, like I look at the, uh, the people that are um, on this one and most of them have never entered a high time. So this is cool. The group that's involved. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'll run them, run them off right now. Um, you know, Redemption's involved, Real Leaf Solution, Valorcraft, Neuro Cannabis, Old School Genetics, The Empire Collective, Superior Selection, Chicha Stash, uh, Lake Life Farms, Highlands Grow, Alvarez Cultivation, and Michigan Loudflower Farms. So there's going to be a lot, of, a lot of great cannabis and a lot of great... Uh, you know, stewards of the industry um, representing those companies too. So it's awesome. Um, I'm super excited to uh, to see it. I'm gonna tune in. Um, uh, it's gotta be interesting. Whoever's judging like to sleep, uh, that's gonna, you have to like take a couple of days off and just see if you can smoke and then try to take a nap. I mean, that sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah, we were, we were joking internally. So we got 24 strains that are gonna be samples and kind of the internal joke is the Warriors Cup might be who can get through all these strains, you know, in a short period of time. It might accidentally be a cannabis Ironman marathon or something <laughs> every single day, just trying different ones and stuff. Yeah, we're yeah. gonna we're gonna do our best. I think that uh, I do want to take a, an approach. You know, I want to I want to try it in a vaporizer. I want to try it, see if uh, smoking it out of a joint does anything. You know, to the taste. You know, I want to take a a look at each sample from a different perspective and and kind of highlight its effects on and just give feedback. That's it. You know, there's like I said, there's no influence. There's no bullshit. It's just this is how it made me feel. And I won't, I won't reveal which ones by any means, but we do have a few mirror matches of the same strains going up against each other. So that will be interesting as well to see who does <laughs> what better. And so there's some, there's some spicy stuff in store. Yeah. yeah I'm looking forward to that one. Um, hey, uh, hey, Anton, like I wanted to hear it from the, uh, the horse's mouth per se. Um, you know, what's something that's, uh, quite a big accomplishment, uh, in my eyes is, uh, 
you know, what you got done with the Veterans Marijuana Research Grant. Um, you're, you stepped up. You weren't going to, I think they've realized, uh, you know, you weren't going to take no for an answer and it was the right thing to do. And, you know, it was awesome working. Sounds like, you, you know, worked hand in hand with Director, Director Hannah. So what a big deal. $20 million is, a, you know, $40 million is a shit ton of money. We wrote that into law because we wanted it specifically to go to that. And that's one of the biggest gripes of government, you know, is like, we put something in there, lobbyists get a hold of it somehow, someone writes it, and now they're funding some stupid shit. That's not going to even go what it's going to, and that, that would have been tragic. So tell me um, tell me about that, what happened. Tell me the story, please. Um, it's, a, it's a big deal. So, so, yeah, this and this is an ongoing thing. I think when we're talking, you know, $40 million set aside of excise taxes that were paid for by Michiganders, right? Uh, you know, this was set aside for the veterans uh, through a ballot initiative. Um, and I think that when we're talking about that type of money given by the people in that type of situation, um, we have to all be good stewards of the money, you know, the regulators, the researchers, everybody. So initially when i was brought into this uh and this is where my government background to be honest with you helped it helped the community because i was able to kind of look at what was going on and realize that none of this seemed correct uh you know i'm not a scientist um but you know we had uh maps the maps foundation wayne state and u of m who received the 40 million dollars in total wayne state got 19 million uh, uh U of M, I believe, got around eight million, and then Maps got thirteen million. And at the end of the day, uh, the research study designs that were submitted were not going to be FDA-approved clinical trials, which is what the verbiage in the MRTMA states that, uh, and the other part of the MRTMA states that the um, research has to study the efficacy of marijuana. That's the word they use. So. Um, when looking at what was trying to be accomplished, um, you know, I approached CRA uh, with my concerns and, you know, the to be honest, when we're talking that much money and we're talking institutions like Wayne State and U of M, U of M is one of the top research institutions in the world, right? Uh, and we're, we want to correct those folks when we're dealing with millions of dollars. You kind of got to have your ducks in a row. And... I researched the hell out of this, and I knew that my my concerns were valid in that um, mainly U of M and Wayne State, their initial research designs that they put forward focused on what was known as observational research. It wouldn't have even gone through the FDA because the FDA only is concerned about interventional clinical trials, which is they weren't necessarily putting forward. Um, so working with CRA, uh, we rallied the community. I rallied the lawmakers, bipartisan, both sides of the aisle. Um, you know, I, 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 I appealed up to, you know, Attorney General Nessel. Uh, I, I rang every fire bell I possibly could to say what's going on is not correct. And we need to make sure that the veterans don't get screwed over because it's common practice. There's this grant, there's dollars that go out the door every day. They're just pissed away. They're set aside with good intentions and the research doesn't mean shit. You know, we're hoping that we could take this research and take this to the federal side of the aisle and say, look, this has helped veterans. 
hopefully, whatever the research says. Uh, but if, if in the context of that research, if it wasn't approved by the FDA through the clinical trial process, which is a very complicated process, it wouldn't mean much, which means that we didn't get what we paid for, right? Our $40 million was, would just be spent. Uh, so I sat down with CRA, CRA um, as a mediator, if you will, uh, worked with the universities. Uh, we had our first stakeholder meeting on the 16th of November, uh, where I have myself. Um, I actually was introduced to Montel Williams through this process. Montel is a Marine, and he's one of the most influential voices in the veteran community in the country, right? Uh, so I, I got to talking with Montel, and Montel agreed to join the stakeholder group. Uh, it's myself, uh, Josh Parrish, who is the executive director of Vet Life, which is a very, you know, we just had him on FOB 1620 the other day, and uh, Teresa Jackson, which is the chief medical executive of AMVETS. Those are the four veterans that I kind of brought, we brought into the mix. And, um, you know, we need accountability here. The, 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 the issue that we, I was also having is, all this money went out the door. You know, Wayne State received three and a half million dollars up front of their seven million that they were awarded last year. Nobody ever submitted financials. Like, who's watching where the dollars are being spent? And um, you know, so we 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 came to a resolution. Um, you know, U of M has agreed they are going to go through the FDA process. They're going to use DEA approved study drug. Um, they agreed to listen to us on a lot of issues. And I, I feel like we're on track, but we the work is not over yet. Like the spending needs to be watched. Uh, you know, uh, Wayne State, for example, um, they're, they're building out basically a 3,600 square foot facility to conduct this research in, right? And uh, it doesn't necessarily sit easy with me. They were given millions of dollars. So we have this predicament where they need to, they obviously feel like they need to spend through this money, right? Because that's what was awarded to them by the state. But at the same token, did they need that much money to make this study go off? You know what I'm saying? And you know, did did the purpose of those dollars, were they meant to build uh, facilities for Wayne State? Because I, I, I probably, I, I'm assuming they're going to they're gonna keep that infrastructure in place afterwards, right? So, you know, now the people are, are building infrastructure for Wayne State to continue with their research down the road. So while we have a lot of headway that we've made, I think that, that we still, as a community, uh, as the legislator needs to be involved, the regulators need to be involved, and, and the, the community needs to be involved. And we need to be looking at every penny being spent and asking why. You know, Wayne State, in their, uh, um, their, their most recent quarterly report, they have budgeted $16,000 for travel, okay? Why they need to travel for a veteran PTSD study that's being conducted in Michigan, I don't know. There may be very valid reasons, and and I'm not a researcher, right? So I don't have those answers. But what I do want to know um, is: it just two people flying first class and staying at the Waldorf, or is this a group of people who are flying economy and you know staying at the Holiday Inn? Because those are important questions we need to be asked. And until those questions are, and and I, I I'm I'm sure the vibe I've gotten is that. Uh, they want to be transparent and they do want to tell you how they're spending the money, but I'm sure it's not comfortable. Some of these questions that we're asking. So how do we hold them accountable? And I think uh, it's going to take a, a community effort to make that happen. 
You know, Anton, when I hear this this story, you know, it reminds me of um, I lived in Stockbridge for a while, and I remember um, in the early two thousands they were they were voting on a uh, a millage to, uh, to to fix the roof on the on the, the gymnasium at the high school, and the funny thing about it was uh, they had already passed that millage twice before, once in the seventies and once in the eighties, and they never actually fixed the roof. And here they were for a third time coming back asking for more money to fix the roof of the high school. You know, it just is crazy to me that in the world that we're in that this continues to happen and 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 the 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 mis uh appropriation of funds uh for something like this that is so direct in the in the narrative of the language of how it's supposed to be spent um you know in your opinion anton what went wrong what where did where did it get off the tracks and where did they justify um the spending that they've spent and and, and coming up with the game plan that did not go to the to the to the the planet place so I think there's a few things that went wrong. I think that, you know, uh, Andrew Brisbow was very upfront stating, oh, hey, look, I'm not a grant expert. Uh, I don't think he wanted anything to, ha- to do with having to be a part of that process. But legislatively, that was his task and he was tasked to do it. And when you have these very powerful research institutions, I mean, I was told, you know, the governor sits on U of M's board of directors, right? Like when you're dealing with that type of power and that type of money, I'm sure they wanted to keep the money in Michigan, even though it's not, you know, MAPS is a company out of California, right? But they're conducting research in Michigan. Um, So we have these powerful forces who, uh, you know, this is a novel thing. There's nowhere in history that I can find where $40 million has ever been set aside for any type of cannabis research, especially involving veterans and PTSD, right? And, and I think that the they could have consulted more. They could have reached out to more people. You know, when the money was divvied up, it was a board of three people. It was Brisbo, um, uh, Zanetta from the Michigan Department of Veteran Affairs, who, uh, to be honest with you, uh, the veteran community were not happy with 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 that individual. Uh, and uh, so, you know, we had and then somebody from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. Um, you know, so we had three people who were entrusted with divvying out this money, who maybe could have been more informed. Maybe they could have consulted. Um, there's there's no way, you know, I'm a nobody and I have no research background. And I read the study design and said, there's no way in hell the FDA would approve any of this shit, fucking period, right? And 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 that should have been exponentially, you know, the, 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 the realization at that level should have been right out the gate. So why wasn't it made? Why wasn't that come to, right? Like, why wasn't, why did this happen? I think that, um, you know, I don't know the, the levels of power that facilitated this from happening. We may never know. But what we do know is that mistakes were made. And I think at the end of the day, what was cool about this process is we didn't have to take it to court. Um, you know, we had Michael Camoran, who was in the background, who was absolutely going to file for an injunction. And I think folks realized that had this gone to court, it would have probably not gone very well for for you know the the people who made these decisions, right? And we wanted to avoid that. And I've always said all along, look. This is government. Let's let the process play out. You know, as a citizen, a concerned citizen, I brought my my uh, concerns to the regulator. The regulator 
you know, investigated those concerns, maintained that they were valid, and and tried to put, uh, you know, implement change with these research institutions. And I promise you, these institutions didn't want to change. Like that's my opinion, right? But when you look at the the, the wheels that they had in motion, um, you know, Wayne State, for example, uh, when you look at the um, the consultants that they're hiring, you know, a couple of names that we we were were combing through the paperwork, um, consultants from Canopy Growth. Let's ask ourselves, why would a consultant from Canopy Growth have anything to do with a relatively small veteran cannabis PTSD research study in the state of Michigan, right? There are, I'm sure, uh, other forces at work here. There are people who are looking to profit off of this, no doubt in my mind, right? They want to create the next new drug, and if they can do it in the confines of blowing through taxpayer money, they'll do it, right? That's just the way it works. That's the way the world works. Uh, I think that really, currently, there's still not enough accountability in place. We need, uh, personally, if I had my way, Governor Whitmer has the ability, she can put an oversight panel in place, right? With the stroke of a pen, she can put, you know, one of my positions previously in the government, uh, you know, I was a special agent with what with the, with the department that was known as the Treasury Inspector General for Tax Administration. And we were the third party oversight of the IRS, right? I was one of the only guys that would walk through the door at the IRS and they were scared of me, right? Because of what my position and what my function was. And the reason they were scared of me is because I was just an unbiased third party dude who had a ton of power to call them out on their bullshit if they were doing something wrong. And I feel like we need that in place here. I feel like not necessarily that the that the, the boogeyman is hiding in the background, but I feel like that we haven't done enough. There's not enough accountability in place. And, and, and we want to hold Wayne, Wayne State may be doing exactly according to law now what they're supposed to be doing, but what, Kevin, why shouldn't you have the opportunity to ask them, well, Wayne State, why are you trying to set aside $5 million for salaries? Okay, that's a lot of money and, and it shouldn't be, right? Uh, but they were given the money and they were legally given the money and it's their money to spend. So now that they've gotten the money, unless the legislator steps up in questions and asks the questions, um, you know, where is the accountability? It's public accountability and, and Director Hanna, has been very transparent and has been very easy and good to deal with as a veteran and, and, and as a former Leo himself. Uh, I have felt a connection, like I'm being listened to, which I appreciate. Uh, when I contact CRA, they con you know, I, I get an immediate response and, and that's good. So now we have all these pieces of the puzzle put together, right? Let's let's see this thing through in a responsible manner and let's see the taxpayers and the veterans get what they paid for. Yeah, I 100% agree with you, Anton. Um, congratulations on the progress that you've made um, in making that change. Um, unfortunately, in our, our world today, um, I feel like uh, the entire government is is totally uh, wrapped up in all the things that you're talking about right now, the, the corruption and the deviation of, of where funds should be spent. Uh, instead of spending it where it should be spent, you spend it with your friend, you know, that kind of stuff. Like you said, Canopy Growth's been here before uh, we even had a law here uh, advocating for their hand in, in getting some kind of funding, right? So it doesn't surprise me one bit that Canopy Growth is back involved in this thing. But uh, 
Um, you know, continue the fight, brother. I know you're, you're, you're doing a great job. If we can just get more people on your team and get a whole department together and, 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 and get this accountability. There's plenty of funds, you know, uh, available. There's plenty of tax money coming in. It's just about using it correctly. And, and uh, I think that uh, our whole world would be a better place if we were, if, if there was more accountability on that end. So, so thank you for all your hard work and I appreciate what you're doing, brother. Well, I appreciate it. Absolutely. And, you know, when we talk about like accountability, you know, as, when I worked for the inspector general, uh, our mission was to investigate fraud, waste and abuse, right? That's what those are the three things that we looked into. And while I don't necessarily see fraud, waste and abuse is just as egregious right and even if your intentions were good your motives were good your plan was good and you intended to spend everything as proper if it still is wasteful in the eyes of the people who paid for all of this it's waste in my opinion right and and that is what needs to be highlighted and the more people that speak up about this, um, the better. And you know, and 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 there are checks in place as far as how much they can spend on particular things, and 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 the process may play out and it may be completely successful. But I just want to highlight, you know, that we just don't all high five and sing kumbaya and say it's resolved because I think that this is the party's just getting started. The Feds just signed a law in place for cannabis research in this country the other day. We have not even begun to see the pissing away of the money that's about to transpire in this country. It hasn't even been conceptualized yet. What happened in Michigan is the epicenter. It was the big bang, if you will, of of of, of shitting away millions of dollars of money that, that would transpire if there wasn't folks like myself and y'all involved. And because um, if I didn't speak up, this was going down and and we would have gotten fucked. It just seems like another slap in the face to veterans and to cannabis, you know? It almost seems like they felt that they could get away with anything, anything considering the constraints on research at the time up until now, right? With the Medical Marijuana and Cannabidiol Research Expansion Act that's now going into place. Like, well, actually now we are starting to open up and, and making it more accessible for real research to, to happen, even though it's at a snail's pace. But if that didn't happen, could very easily turned around these plate these universities could say well we're, we're hamstring by what we have access to we're really limited but you know thanks for the money and uh, we'll see you next time you know you know next time with our hands out maybe we could do better well you know i'll give you an example here okay so u of m and, and this is how they justify it and and i don't necessarily think their heart was in the wrong place but it certainly speaks to uh how they're doing things so u of m Part of their study they wanted to do was to conduct CBD research uh, in um, veterans with chronic pain, right? So the CBD that they were looking to source was from initially from industrial hemp. And you got to ask ourselves, well, why would they want to do that, right? When you talk to U of M, their response was, well, uh, you know, veterans are concerned about consuming THC and we want to uh, we want to protect their benefits. We know CBD is legal. Right. So we're looking out for the veterans. Right. That is certainly one perspective. The other perspective, when you have, you know, eight million bucks sitting in your pocket is we don't want questions from the FDA. The easiest way to skirt around that process would be to use a federally legal industrial hemp product that doesn't uh, force us to go through the 
uh, whole what's called investigative drug number process where you're going through FDA and FDA is breathing down your neck every step of the way, right? So those are both valid perspectives, but at the end of the day, it was the MRTMA that spelled it out because the MRTMA says that they had to study the efficacy of marijuana. And when I called them on it, I said marijuana, per the law that Governor Whitmer signed last year, specifically is different than the, the definition of industrial hemp. And I think when I broached that, like I think three days later, I got an email saying, yeah, they're not going to be using industrial hemp, right? But but if I didn't bring that up, bet your ass they were, and they are, they're already dealing with pharma companies and stuff to try and create products. So that's just what they do. It's a game. Yep, man, that's uh, that's incredible, uh, incredible story, and uh, and also a cool uh, kind of inside look behind the scenes, and you know how the sausage is made with with government, and sometimes it takes one person standing up with a voice. Uh, I mean, we've seen it even in uh, in city council meetings. If somebody shows up every week and, and talks about something, uh, you know, they they don't want it. They don't. They politicians will will back down. <laughs> you know, even if it's crazy. At the end of the day, I'm I'm sure my voice was welcomed by some and not by many, right? And uh, I I always say I have nothing to lose. I am uh, just a guy. I have no business interests anywhere, and uh, I'm just a guy with a big mouth, right? And really, it's been the most empowering thing to have because I have really no dog in the fight, and uh, and I feel like that is what makes people listen to me to a certain extent because I'm really just looking out for the best interest of the people and um, whether whether Wayne State gets to give their people a million dollar salary or a hundred thousand dollars in a day I mean it doesn't affect me personally but it affects the world we live in and it shouldn't be allowed and uh, I think that you know I appreciate the CRA's transparency I I've said I said many times like I value that relationship because if I didn't have the ability to call them up and, and raise my questions, then you know I would essentially be silenced. And I'll tell you this, as a disabled veteran, that's the worst feeling in the world is not being heard, especially when I did the shit that I've done for this country, both foreign and domestic, right? You know, I did a lot of wild, I will say this, more of the crazier shit that I've done in my life was actually in Detroit than it was in Iraq, right? So, uh, you know, uh, in there, in, 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 in Detroit was, was meaner to me than in Iraq to a certain extent, right? So that's my community though. That's the world I live in. This is Michigan. This is where I live. This is where my kids play. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, if we have, if we just allow research institutions to willy-nilly do what they want and just be signed off on by the powers that be and not hold them accountable, then why have a system, right? Yeah, that's it's beautifully put, Anton. Uh, appreciate it. Um, well, time is is flying. Uh, you know, that was a, probably the quickest 42 minutes on the show. Um, pretty interesting stuff. And but I wanted to give everyone a, a chance to say goodbye to you and then you as well. So. Uh, Nate, why don't you kick it off? Anton, always great to have you on the show, and I'm, I'm learning new things every single week on FOB 1620. It seems like that's been an amazing, very focused storytelling platform that's been awesome to see. So I appreciate the work you're doing on everything and, and, and being a voice for veterans in Michigan and helping us um, always provide those different perspectives and different things. Um, so keep up the good work on everything, and I'm excited to see what you're going to do. Appreciate you, brother. Thank you. 
So, Tom. Yeah, I just want to thank you also for your service and for continuing always to fight the good fight, <clears throat> keeping an eye on uh, on everyone, making sure and it's easy. I can, I'm sure it could be easy just give up, get frustrated, and be like, why do I bother anymore? But you keep coming back. And it's people like you that, you know, keeping people honest. And, uh, you know, I wish I had the time and, and the drive. And you're just, a, you're an inspiration. And uh, we really appreciate everything that you do. Man. I appreciate you, brother. Thank you so much. Kevin? Yeah, I agree with Tom and everything he just said. Um, you know, I think that um, the reason that people listen to you, Anton, is because you're a smart guy. You're, you you do your research. You learn both sides of the coin. And that way, when they try to talk circles around you, you're like, no, 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 hold on a second. I know that argument, too. I made that argument to myself last week. So this is why that doesn't work, you know, and and, it, and peop, we need people like that. You know, there's a lot of smart people out there, but a lot of times, you know, even I have issues at times trying to just get the words out and explain it in a way that people understand. I think you do an excellent job of doing that. And I think that that's why you make so much progress in what you're doing. Uh, keep your uh, keep your foot on the pedal, dude. Keep pushing forward. You're doing an excellent job. We all appreciate you and we appreciate your service, buddy. Thanks, brother. I, I intend, yeah, I'm not letting my foot off the gas. Uh, Rick Thompson, I was hanging out with Rick the other day at the turkey raffle, or at the turkey giveaway in Flint. And and he goes, I told him Anton isn't going away. And that, that <laughs> those are very, very true words. Uh, you know, my last name, I say, my last name in Arabic, Harab is war in Arabic, right? And 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 it's, it's to fight is in my DNA. And to fight for good causes is even better at the end of the day. Oh, Anton, appreciate it. Do you want to give a, a final shout out for the uh, the Warriors Cup here? Uh, yeah. Place again. Sure. Tune in. Uh, Fob sixteen twenty. Uh, our page will be streaming December sixteenth from six to seven p.m. Uh, we'll be joined by special guest Darren McCarty. We have a really cool panel of judges. I think it will be uh, impactful. I think it'll be educational, and I encourage everyone to tune in. Thanks again, uh, you know, so much for being on. Uh, you know, I echo everyone. The Smoke and Rope Podcast well, is produced and hosted by me, at the end Ryan Basor, the owner of Redemption know, Cannabis. Kevin and Tom have ideas for episode well, topics or would like to be a guest on you know, the show? We, we Contact us at ryanb at redemptioncanna.com. Um, Thanks for you know, being along for the journey. Credible or, credible or not and having nothing to lose and having no ties and doing it because it's what is right and it's, you know, being honest about it is the right thing to do. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's awesome to have you doing that. And, uh, you know, you, the other thing you hit on is, uh, keeping the pedal to the metal. Um, um, you know, I've, I've been, been doing activism in cannabis for 13 years and, and that's, you know, it's, it, it'll burn you out. It'll burn you out. And, uh, um, we need people like you to keep, keep the pedal down and to remind us, uh, you know that we gotta we gotta be doing the same thing. So uh, great show. Really appreciate you having you on and everything you've been doing, man. Appreciate you, brother. Thank you. I appreciate all your support too. You you're you're an inspiration. Thanks, man. With that, uh, we'll see everyone have a, a great you know uh, Thanksgiving, uh, and we'll uh, we'll be back next week.